Before we get started today, I wanted to apologize for getting the episode out late this week. I know you've all been waiting patiently for us to get back to normal, and this wasn't a strong start. Um, I had a kidney stone, and I ended up in the ER. I'll spare you the details, but those of you that are lucky enough to have never passed a kidney stone, I don't recommend it. Uh, They found a few other things wrong with me, but I'm okay. I honestly think that it is all stress-related and not really that surprising. I'm looking forward to getting life back on track, though, and I appreciate your patience during this time. I also wanted to remind everyone to use our affiliate link when you order your art supplies from Blick. Just go to MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick, and that will take you straight through to the regular Blick website. But when you navigate there using our link, you are asking Blick to donate 10% of your purchase to the Messy Studio Podcast. I always recommend just bookmarking the link, then you never have to think about it again. Just use the bookmark and support the show. It is effortless, costs you nothing, and makes a huge difference for us. Right now, Blick is running their fall clearance sale. There are 138 products available at massive discounts, and you can get free shipping on orders over $45 using promo code CFDS at checkout. A product that caught my eye is the Sennelier Dry Pigments, which are currently 33 to 58% off list price. So once again, that's MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick and use promo code CFDS on orders over $45 to get your shipping for free. So that's MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick and promo code CFDS. That's all for now. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about letting go. A couple of weeks ago, during our first episode after the break we took for moving this summer, we talked a little about the emotional side of letting so much go from our former lives. This seems to have struck a chord with the listeners. We received quite a few comments about the experience of moving, its difficulties, and the anxiety it creates. A need to shed possessions of any sort is a challenge, but to let go of very personal objects like works of art is especially difficult. Today we'll focus on Rebecca's experiences of clearing out her studio and some thoughts about letting go in general. With me as always is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Yeah, this is a a follow-up also to an episode that we published back in mid-July. I think it was number 186. Um, When we were definitely in the middle of things, and I was in the middle of the studio clear-out, and then it's also, again, um, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we first came back with a podcast after the whole the whole summer of doing this stuff. Um, and I mentioned then that I would talk a little bit more specifically about how I dealt with the studio because that part of it seems like it might be especially helpful to listeners. Um, and so now that the, that is behind me, and I'm all settled in the new studio, a new home here in New Mexico. I, I feel like I have a longer view and some additional and hopefully helpful perspectives or thoughts about the whole thing. Um, because back when we did that podcast in mid-July, I'd say it was about halfway through the studio process of clearing out. And 
I know I was still really confused and overwhelmed, although I was, you know, trying to see my way through it. And, and some of the things that we were talking about then were kind of like, wow, this is really hard. And how is this going to work? And all that. I mean, you could just hear it in our discussion that day, how how overwhelming it was. And, and that definitely there were not answers to a lot of things. It, it just was so unclear about how things were going to get resolved. Um, and so obviously they did get resolved. <laughs> so that's why we wanted to come back at it and especially focus on on the artwork and, and that whole situation. Um, so um, I think one of the things that really strikes me now, and you probably relate to this with other things with your move too, is it's interesting how some things that seemed really insurmountable, like what, how is this going to work out? They did work out. And things just kind of fell into place in ways that were they were really pretty gratifying. Um, and not that there weren't, you know, stresses and problems, but I just found it interesting that, um, you know, just by kind of sort of trusting that, yes, yeah, somehow it's going to work out, um, most things really did. Um, and like one of the examples I can think of is I had these really big works on canvas that were mostly from when I was in graduate school in Arizona many years ago. So these things were big, um, five feet, four feet high, six feet wide, whatever. They were big. And and I kept just, they were just sitting in a, in a shelf in my studio. And I kept thinking, what's going to happen with those? You know, would, would I have to throw them out? Would I have to burn them? And they just sat there all summer kind of posing their question. And I kept thinking, oh, what, you know, I, I was prepared to absolutely destroy them and get rid of them. But like a couple days before everything was done, the guy that bought our place said, hey, you know, what are you going to do with those paintings? And I said, I don't know, <laughs> still don't know. And he said, well, anything that you don't want to deal with, just leave for me. <laughs> and I was really surprised because they're not paintings that would appeal to everybody. They're kind of edgy and strange. But hey, I was so happy that he wanted them. <laughs> and so it was just one of those things that, um, you know, an answer appeared somehow in the whole process. So yeah, and things do have a, a way of working out, um, even when we're unable to see a path forward. Um, and uh, so it's it's something that it, it requires a whole lot of faith, and that, that can be very difficult yeah. at the time when you're dealing with something like right. that. Right. All you can think um, of is, oh, you know, this is going to end badly somehow. <laughs> I mean, we, we, ha we had to have some optimism to get through it, but with specific things, you'd often think, well, how, what, what's going to happen with this thing, especially something big or something important. Um, and so, yeah, I thought I'd kind of go through some of some of the specific things that happened and, and some ideas and strategies that I used. And, and one of the, one of the strategies that I did find helpful to get me out of a con really confused state of mind was the one that I think a lot of the, well, I don't know about a lot, but some of the people that talk about, you know, decluttering and, and moving and all that talk about having three piles, right? So you have the the keeping pile and the pile of stuff that you're going to get rid of in one way or another, whether you sell it or give it away. And then, um, and then there's the stuff that you actually throw away. So somehow when I, I kind of got into that mode, it became more clear. Um, and, and also just 
<laughs> basically practicing this every day, it, you know, like a lot of things, it got easier just to get into the routine of thinking that way. And, and it went on and on for weeks on end. But um, so in terms of those uh, categories, I would, I'll, I'm going to start with the one, the things that I was uh, selling, actually. And when we did that podcast in July, it was just starting to get into that um, selling the work online or selling the work in person. I had done a little bit of it, but I wasn't quite prepared enough. So I, I think my perspective on that is that preparing things ahead of time, and I did talk in that podcast about using Artwork Archive and the specifics of that. So, you know, if you're wondering, you can go back and listen to that. But um, just to set aside time, actually. So I thought, well, most of the month of July, I'm going to be focused on that. And of course, I was doing other stuff too, but it helped to just instead of looking at it as a big distraction, which it started out to be, no, this is what I'm really focused on for the next little while. And it did, it was, you know, really successful um, and time consuming because there were a lot of inquiry, inquiries, there was a lot of back and forth, emailing, and then just preparing the work and packing and shipping it was, was a big deal. But, um, it, it really was a good thing. And, and I had a couple of big sales and I had a lot of smaller ones. And I just ended up feeling, you know, really, really good about about that. And, and there was some good income from that. And I got rid of a lot of stuff. So, so that part worked out well. But I guess my advice about it would be no kind of know what you're getting into if you're going to do something like that. It surprised me uh, how involved it was actually. Um, and then, um, you know, in that same category of getting rid of stuff, there's the stuff to give away and donate. Um, and I think in the earlier podcast, I mentioned that I donated some to the hospital, which was fine. It was good. I felt good about that. You and Kara took some for your place there. Um, and I gave some to friends. Um, and... I would say, you know, in, in looking back that there was a lot of pleasure in that part, that there was a lot of satisfaction in giving things away and donating to places where that were public, you know, like the, like the hospital where people would see it and appreciate it. Um, and then there was, there was some times when it was a little bit harder, you know, because I guess what I found was, I would have these different modes when I was making my three piles, you know, so sometimes I would put something in the pile to give away and, and then I might have second thoughts, <laughs> but it would be too late. <laughs> and, and so there was a little bit of a challenge there in saying, okay, I made that decision. I resolved to give that away. And and the one I'm thinking of was, uh, in particular was there was a woman who who really spent quite a lot of time in the studio and she wanted to look at a lot of things and I was busy and I said well, how about if I just leave you here for a little while and then you know just come and get me when you're when you're ready to go so um she was ready to go and she showed me um a drawing that she had taken from the pile of my stuff to give away and she loved it and she's a she was a a medical technician of some kind, I can't quite remember now, but there were medical references in the drawing because I had done it 
in the aftermath of a friend who had gone through cancer treatment, and it was a response to that. And this was a drawing that was probably 30 or 40 years old at that point. Um, but I'm looking at this drawing, and she's admiring it and saying, uh, are you sure you want to give this away? And I did have a moment when, no, I'm not sure I want to give that away. Because I realized that I had this really personal connection to it. And and yet I did. I said, yes, you know, you take it. Because here's somebody who's really going to appreciate it and hang it up and enjoy it in a way that, you know, for me, it was something I'd stuck in a drawer for years. So, yeah, there were those moments. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, you just find the perfect person that connects with something. And um, I had mentioned also earlier how it was hard to deal with some things that I had been given. And one of the things that I had been given a long time ago was a print, a woodcut, I think, um, done by a native Alaskan person. And it was this gorgeous, you know, kind of um, imagery of symbolic imagery. And, and yet, I have so much stuff, you know, and I just thought, no, if I find the right person for this, I'm going to give this away. And a friend came over who had lived in Alaska. And I said, do you want this? And she said, oh, yes. And so, again, it was, a, you know, really good connection that I felt. I felt good about that. Um, I gave things to friends who helped me out, and that felt good, too, because, an exchange, and I did have some wonderful help in the studio. Um, one of my one of my giveaways. I had two good giveaway stories. One was that um, a guy came to the studio. Um, I wasn't there, but Don was there, and he asked Don, "Is that for sale?" There was a painting I had done in college, and um, uh, so when I heard that he was interested in it, I. I got back to him and I said, you know, make me an offer because I really didn't know what to charge for it. And so I understood that he was a single dad that, you know, was struggling a bit. He was taking care of three kids. And he gave me, he said, I'm embarrassed to make you an offer. It's not going to be very high. And I said, that's okay. And he, he told me what he could afford and it was very little. And in that moment, I thought, no, I, I want to give him this this painting, you know, I just want to give it to him because I know he loves it. He's going to appreciate it. And um, he uh, he ended up saying, I, I can't accept it as a gift. He's very honored. But he says, I want to give you something back. And so, you know, this Ross, what he gave me was this huge bag of pan fish that he and his kids had caught that were frozen. And as he came over to get the painting, you see this large amount of fish. And we ate a lot of fish after that. And I felt so good about that. I thought, you know, he's giving me something that, you know, it wasn't easy to get all those fish together, but he did. And we appreciated him. And so it felt like a really good exchange. Uh, and, the, and the other giveaway story that I enjoyed was I had taken some things up to some of my friends and we were having a little get together and it got starting to get dark out. And I said, you know, I've got stuff in my car that I was going to see if anybody wanted. So they all came over to the car and, and it was kind of dusk and I was pulling things out of the back end and, and they were saying, oh yeah, really? Yeah, I'll take that and, and all that. And then, then there were two of these kind of surreal um, things that I had done in, in college uh, prints 
that were still left, and nobody was too excited about those. And anyway, then my friend said to one of her neighbors, hey, come on over. You want to look at some art? And this guy comes over, and he sees those prints, and he said, wait, you're giving these away? And I said, yes. <laughs> and he said, oh, and he, he told me that he'd been looking for work for his living room that was unusual, right? That wasn't just normal stuff. And this definitely fit the bill. <laughs> and he, he took them and he was so happy. And I was so happy that he liked them. So this all taking place like in the semi-darkness, you know, <laughs> I hope he liked them in the daylight, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was just a, it was a fun experience. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting how, um, you know, for us, a lot of times these things become almost a burden, you know, and, and especially when you're at a point where you really care about all this stuff, but mm -hmm. you cannot keep all of it. And, uh, what, what a blessing it is for other people right. when, when you can give it to them or, or when you can just give it to them at a very low price. Um, because, and, and, when when we're talking about small amounts of money, you know, sometimes it just it it makes more sense to just give it away. I agree. Than to, to take some small amount of money that that ultimately is kind of meaningless to you, mm -hmm. you know, and then to this other person, it's like such a such a big thing to be given. This. I yeah, that's that, I agree with that, and I I think it's up to each of us to know, you know. What what is the point where we really do want money for something, and what is the point where we're really just happy to to find a home for something that will be appreciated and um and then to stretch that a little bit, you know? I mean, the amount that the fish guy offered me that would have come in handy, I think, but I knew it was a big sacrifice for him, and I just felt much better about getting fish instead. <laughs> Although I didn't even know there was fish in the issue in the, in the exchange that that came later, but um, yeah. Anyway, that was all pretty gratifying. So, uh, real quick, it's time to find out what's new from Cold Wax Academy. Rebecca and her partner Jerry McLaughlin are excited to be launching year two of Cold Wax Academy's membership program, which began in October of 2020. In the coming year, live online learning sessions will feature an entirely new set of topics, beginning with a deep dive into technique and the steps involved in developing a painting. Other topics for year two include professional development, abstraction and realism, principles of design, and expanded uses for cold wax medium. As always, members will have access to recordings of all previous sessions, including everything from the first year, so it's easy to join anytime. Fall quarter begins October 6th. Please visit coldwaxacademy.com for details. That's coldwaxacademy.com about membership levels and to sign up for a new year of exciting learning experiences. So once again, that's coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get back into it. All right. So I've, I've kind of gone through the pile of, you know, get rid of this stuff by selling it or donating it. Um so there's there's two other piles that would happen in this process, not necessarily literally neat piles, but categories in the mind. So one of those is stuff that I was going to keep. And some of that was kept kind of by default because I didn't manage to sell it. And I knew that it was still pretty, you know, valuable work. And, and I realized that being here in New Mexico, 
I have potential for direct sales that I really didn't have in rural Wisconsin. I mean, I live in a town full of artists, and there's a big studio tour every November, which I'm going to take part in. And I just have more people in general that that sort of say, can I come to your studio or, or something? It's just more of a, more activity in and out here. So I did think, okay, some of this stuff is going to find a home once I move. And I really did bring a fair amount of it here. So now my studio is a little bit crowded, uh, more crowded than I prefer. But I, you know, again, it's that idea that we talked about at the beginning, you sort of have faith that the process of finding homes for these things is going to continue. Um, and so the actually deciding what to keep uh, was a challenge in some cases because, you know, part of me would want to keep more stuff than I really knew that I had any kind of room for. Um, I want to credit a friend of mine, Deborah, who came and and helped me right at the point where I was going through some some of the bigger, older work and not being able to make decisions about it. And I had a lot of pretty large um, charcoal drawings and pastel drawings. And these would have been, oh, from the late 90s, really. And and some of them were good, you know, and some of them were not so good. But they were all fragile. They were all difficult to deal with because they weren't framed. And, you know, pastel and charcoal, even if you spray fixative on them, they're not particularly easy to store and deal with. And and like I said, these were on large sheets of paper. So I had all this stuff, kind of brought it out when she was there. And she was so helpful because we identified ones that uh, were better than the others. So in my mind, there was all kind of this pile of stuff, you know. And she says to me, well, um, you know, you were working in series here. So which ones are the best ones out of the series? And with her help, um, I identified... I think maybe totally only three or four out of this pile and that I wanted to keep. And then she helped me make a big portfolio for them so that I would have a place to put them uh, in the new studio, just out of cardboard and foam core and things. And so it all got sort of wrapped up in one afternoon. It was such a relief. Um, And I will say, uh, actually, kind of getting into the next category here of getting rid of things, what worked for me when we decided, okay, this one here is not one to keep. And again, they're they're pretty awkward for anybody else to deal with. So what I did in the moment was to rip it in half. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, you know, this is an irrevocable decision at that point. <laughs> and I have to say it felt okay, you know, I just okay, rip. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> um so uh yeah, onto the next category of actually destroying and getting rid of things. I felt like it did help me to have some pretty decisive strategies like that. <laughs> I never did do a fire, and that's something that you and I discussed back in July. I just never got around to it. And when things got pretty hectic, um, it was it was decisive enough for me to just take it to the dumpster and and throw it in there with a bunch of trash and know that at that point it basically is destroyed, whether it was a, a painting or drawing or whatever it was. Um, and I, I did find that sometimes I had to do a second round of of that choice of I'm not keeping this and I really can't deal with giving it away logistically for some reason. Um, so that second round through was more stringent. 
and I noticed this uh, going through a bunch of sketchbooks. I had, I don't know, 20 old sketchbooks. And I, part of me wanted to keep them all because, you know, this is a record of all kinds of things. And yet I thought, no, I should just go through and pull out certain pages that had something significant about them. So I went through all the sketchbooks and either cut or tore out pages that felt meaningful. Maybe things were written, maybe things were sketched out, whatever it was. I ended up with a pretty small pile of paper <laughs> out of these huge pile of sketchbooks. And there were a few that I kept intact and kept the whole thing for one reason or another. Um, but that felt good, you know, actually to cull through them in the same way that I did photo albums. I mean, that was more in the personal category, but I would just pull out certain photographs out of a whole album and the rest went in the dumpster. <laughs> so it's painful. Um, but you know, it's, it, it felt good. And I, and I guess I, the point there is just that you might, it might take more than one round. And I think you found that with some of your stuff too. <laughs> yeah. I think we joked last time about you get to your, your destination. You say, well, why did I bring this? Right. You yeah. <laughs> and so that, that second round can help eliminate. Uh, but it, it's also good not to put any of it off for too long. And, and we both had a deadline and we couldn't put it off. But I know a lot of people have mentioned, well, I've kind of started the process and I'm doing this and that, you know. And there is something about the deadline where you say, it, you become very decisive about what you're going to keep. Um, and I guess, so that's kind of what I had to say about the studio. There was one more wonderful thing that happened at the end because it was getting, I, I did pretty much finish by the beginning of August, which was my goal. I wanted to come back to New Mexico then. But there was one big thing in the way, which was there was still a whole lot of trash in the studio and there was it needed to be cleaned and it was just a mess. I'd gotten the stuff I wanted out of there, but you know, it was like a lot of cardboard and broken furniture and stuff. Um oh, and that that reminds me, I also gave away a bunch of stuff at at like a local um art like a warehouse building it has a lot of artists in it in Eau Claire. And that was really great. I gave away a lot of furniture and some of those drawings and things. And my friend Gail had suggested that I do that. That worked out great. And you helped me with that as well. But anyway, so I get, I'm at the point with the studio. Oh, it's a mess. And I'm tired, exhausted, and I just want to be done. So the guy that was buying the house came through again and said, um, he needed a place to store some stuff in between his moves from their old place into our place. And he wanted to put it in the studio. And I said, well, sure, but it's a big mess. And he brought some friends in and within a day they had cleared all that stuff out of there and cleaned it. Wow. <laughs> and then he started moving his stuff in and it was such a relief to me. It just was amazing. And I never did get a, a photo of the whole thing cleared out because by the time I went in there, he had already started putting stuff in. But And I, I thought that would have been a cool picture. But wow, what a relief. So another example of things that just kind of fell into place. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, okay, just kind of the emotional part of it, I think, because we did mention that in the intro. And you know, aside from obviously the emotional draining exhaustion part of going through all this, 
um, kind of thoughts and reflection about that. And I think that I expected that I would feel more of a sense of loss than I do. <laughs> um, it really, it was hard in the moment, but I don't miss that stuff. I don't even miss the artwork or the things that were actually thrown away or anything. Um, I think it has to do with, in terms, just in terms of artwork, you know the creative process is, it's an inner process. And the the insights that you gain and the progress you make, you don't really need that physical evidence. You, you have it documented in some way uh, through photographs. You have things in your mind or in your notes. And to me, in the end, I didn't really need the actual paintings. And of course, there's always a few that I'm attached to as an artist, as other artists are attached to their own work, which I did keep, and I'm going to hang some in the house. But the majority of it, um, no, you don't need it. And we're always letting go of things anyway. If we, you know, if we uh, sell our work and we have it in galleries and things, many, many times things are going out the door and, you know, you're not going to see them again. So in that sense, it didn't feel all that different. Um, and I guess I would encourage people that are thinking about doing this to 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 think of that letting go process as just part of the creative process, really. We, we go through it in many ways. Um, Do you think that this experience has affected how you're going to go about making the decision on what to keep uh, just on an ongoing basis or – I think so. I think it has to. I think I have to be more uh, more careful about it because I have a much smaller space here in New Mexico. And um, yes, it's, it's definitely brought to the front of my mind that uh, I need to be more careful about what I keep. And when things start to pile up yeah. to, to go through them. And one of the things I'm doing is painting over old panels, which is which is very possible with cold wax medium and, and other media as well. And that feels really great. I mean, that, you know, I deliberately brought a few things back just to use the panels um, that I didn't really care much for the paintings. And so I've been doing that in the last month or so. <laughs> and I think that's just going to be ongoing, you know, let, let things get covered up again if they're not if they're not working or if they come back to me from a gallery or something, that's just fine. Well, and I feel like things are sticky, you know? So like the longer you have them around, the harder they are to get rid of. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So if you're kind of on top of it as, uh, as an ongoing project, then uh, hopefully things don't get out of hand. I, I agree. And I think that goes for the rest of life as well. <laughs> All this stuff in the house, you know, it's it's not going to build up again like it did before. I know that we have a smaller space, and we you just learn so much about why it's okay to do this and and resolve that it's not going to happen again. And I, you know, I definitely um, feel that way. And I guess another perspective on it is what, kind of what we were talking about at the beginning that it's a process, this moving thing, and and trusting that even if you can't figure it all out you know, in your head, that sol solutions may appear and really surprise you. <laughs> they, they definitely did uh, in this case. And there's there's also this, you know, all the rewards of, of feeling more organized about things. And, and right now, pretty much, you know, I know 
what I have and where it is. And I feel like the studio is under control in a way that it never was. It never was in Wisconsin. I, I would lose things just because there was so much stuff there. I didn't know where everything was. And I do now. And it, it's, it's got a good feeling. Um, and maybe as, a, as the biggest kind of perspective is you're curating what you keep, you know. And if you're curating a show, or maybe you could imagine you're curating your own retrospective, then things, some things are out, some things are in. <laughs> and, and if you can curate what you have ongoing, that makes a, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, and probably one of the biggest effects for me in terms of my work, now that I'm back and now that the summer is behind me, um, I feel like it opened me up to a different way of working in my current series that I'm doing, which has really been energizing and interesting um, because what's happening now is I think because so much happened this summer and there was no time to process it. It just was every day, you know, do what has to be done, keep moving. Um, And now I'm processing it in my work. And I did mention earlier uh, in one of the podcasts that there's this kind of greater complexity coming in or more surface stuff going on. The compositions are a little bit more complex. Another thing I'm noticing is they almost all have a feeling of movement, kind of um, side to side horizontal movement. And I didn't even notice that until I'd done quite a few. And then I, oh, that's moving, you know, literally across the, the panel. Um, and the other thing, though, that to me is is exciting, and I'm you know working with it right now, is that every single painting, and and now there's maybe I don't know eight that I've finished, they all are tied to something specific in terms of memory, emotion, situation, something that happened. Um, I can I can identify it, and it doesn't start out that way, but about at some point as I'm working and resolving the piece, the story comes to me, the narrative. And this is really different for me. I don't think I've ever worked this way before, this thematically, you know, that that they're so specific in my mind about what they are. And I could tell the story of everyone. And, and it doesn't really matter if I do or don't, but they guide me in, in, I mean, it doesn't matter to me whether the person looking at it knows the story might be indicated by the title. But the idea behind it is guiding me. And I'm just excited about this. It's it's really interesting. Well, it's been quite the process for both of us to go through. And it's also it's it's interesting that we're we're both moving into situations that are so different from what we came from. Very different. And so it's there's a necessity to adapt and to um to to do things differently than we did before going forward. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, that's exciting at any stage of life, you know, and somebody said to me, um, uh, during the moving process, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm going to speak here as a, as an older person. It's really good to have that stimulation to adapt, uh, you know, when you're in your sixties or something and it's, it's enlivening, <laughs> And I, I can definitely feel that and appreciate that. And it's it's exciting to me to see it in the work itself. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? 
Yeah, I, I think everyone's experience is different when they move. And sometimes you're moving because you don't want to or you have to or something. Um, the best kinds of moves, obviously, are, you know, for a positive reason, like ours both were, I think. But there's also a lot of similarities anytime you have to go through this. And the practical ideas and solutions are great. Um, and I think what what happens when you're in the middle of it is you, you sort of have an emotional remove from it because you got to get through it, right? And you got to make all these decisions and let go of things. Um, but now, you know, you and I are both on the other side of it. And now, and I, it, it just, it gives you a different perspective, right? It feels more clear. And, um, and it does seem to me that in the aftermath uh, of this big upheaval in life, <laughs> That if you have a creative outlet, you know, it's a it's a good time to deal with it in that way. It's like any change of life, something, some way of expressing what what it meant, what's going on, and what you look to in the future. All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.